Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast, here with your host, Alex Jesser. It is a Wednesday afternoon. It is quite cold outside uh, here at uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. I believe it's 15 degrees here. Uh, I know it's much colder up in the north. Um, very, very frigid temperatures um, in the Midwest, Northeast. So uh, stay warm today, fellas. But uh, um, but we're still we're still podcasting. We're still uh, we're still going. Uh, figured this would be a good time for me to uh, to uh, go ahead and record on this Wednesday afternoon. Class canceled, so I got uh, plenty of time on my hands and a lot of basketball to talk about. Um, had a great uh, week. Weekend of hoops between Saturday with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. We'll talk about that. Big 12 won the challenge 6-4. to uh, or, uh, The uh, SEC kind of won the headlining games, though, however. And um, and then, obviously, this week, uh, Monday, two, uh, you had a, a big Monday and a Super Tuesday. And uh, I, I think the big Monday and Super Tuesday thing, uh, the, the things that ESPN does with the college, they're the best games uh, of the week. Uh, a lot of times better than the weekend games. Um, I mean, just super, super intense conference games, and uh, you know, I, 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 lo- I love it. It's, it's very, uh, very fun. So we'll, we'll get into, uh, to all of that. Don't believe? Yeah, I think that's, that's what we'll cover. Maybe talk a little bracketology. Didn't really get to talk about that, and I didn't get to talk about my, uh, my top teams. Um, uh, last week I was cut off. Uh, before we got into that, so um, that's where we uh, will go. We'll do that towards the end because I want to talk about the teams that played. Now I want to start off with Duke because I remember I said last podcast, well I probably won't be talking about Duke a whole lot the next few games because they play pretty easy teams. Uh, upcoming they were they're playing Georgia Tech and then they just played Notre Dame on uh, Monday, who was dead last in conference. I think after that, they got Boston College, maybe. No, St. John's, and then Boston College after that. Then the Charlottesville game. Uh, they go to Charlottesville to play Virginia. That, that'll that be, the, you know, I was like, eh, that'll probably be the last time I'll talk. Or that'll be the next time I'll talk about Duke. The last time I'll talk about them for a while. Um, but I, I want to I discuss something. It's not really about necessarily the game. So that, Georgia Tech, they win, struggle through, but they end up winning uh, by 13. And then against um, Notre Dame, they they thoroughly they control the entire game. They win by 20 on the road. Uh, they beat a bad, time, bad team by a lot. They did what they should have. Uh, so, no hate there. Zion is still absurd. And, uh, by the way, I said, I think I mentioned that Kentucky held Zion to 20 points. That was, it, it was at, He actually scored 28 and went back and looked at the box score on that, so it was incorrect there. So, um Zion is, is absolutely insane, but I do want to ha- I do want to take uh, some you know take note about Duke a little bit here. Um, coming in to the Notre Dame game, Duke had shot no higher than thirty two percent from three in conference play. Um, against Notre Dame, they play a lot better, right? They. Georgia Tech was winning at halftime, had an eight-point lead. Duke had a run at the end of the game that, you know, kind of blew them away, uh, as you would think Duke would do. Against Notre Dame, though, they were much better. Um, Ten of 19 from three, 52%. Um, you know, they're, they're a really good 
or they shot really well. They're a really good team. They, they blow them out. But uh, first game shooting over 50% in conference play from three. Um, first game really, I think, shooting over 40%, over 35% maybe. I think the highest percent they had shot in conference play hitting the Notre Dame game was 32%. So, that, so it went up in this game. Uh, again, Notre Dame's not good, but it was you know, for, for Duke, it's good to see them get back on track with their shooting. But the reason I want to bring this up, um, Duke is by far the most talented team, athletic team in the country. They've looked probably the best overall this year. Um, even dealing with injuries, Trey Jones uh, came back against uh, Georgia Tech, seems to be fine. Um, Cameron Reddish missed the game against Syracuse. But my goodness, this is a poor shooting team. And it seems that now Trey Jones is important, right? I mean, he kind of gets the whole offense together. But then again, the best—I mean, the best win of the year, Duke has, um, may or one of their best wins. Best win probably Kentucky, but the second after that, um, the Virginia win. Trey Jones didn't even play. He didn't even play. Um, the offense is going through two guys right now. The team is being drug along by two guys right now. And now those two guys are the top two picks in the NBA draft. I mean, Zion's going to go one. He should. He's the best player in college basketball, the best player in the sport. I still think Cassius Winston's more deserving of National Player of the Year based off what he's done, how he's carried. I mean, as opposed to two guys carrying Duke, Michigan State, I mean, Cassius Winston's solely carrying that team. Um, but Zion's the best player um, between I mean, he, just he can score in so many ways still not a great three point shooter but I mean, he's hit a few threes I think he's shooting above 30% so good inside the paint uh, just a dominant player and then you have R.J. Barrett who you know I, I was an R.J. guy at the beginning of the year as far as ranking those two uh, for the draft but gotta put Zion first now but R.J.'s been pretty good himself um, hasn't really hurt his start. I mean, you know what he kind of he, – he's been inefficient at times. He does take a lot of shots at 17 points on 17 shots against Notre Dame. Um, but he's so good in the lane. He's a, such a good playmaker. Um, I mean, in, in the he's going to be a triple-double waiting to happen in the NBA. Um, he, he can he can do it all. I mean, he, his, his shot is still coming along, but a guy that can really score it at, at any level um, – an absolute stud, for sure. But other than that, it's just there's not a, Cameron Reddish has been again horrendous, and I and I've said this over and over again, and it's not getting enough it's not getting enough attention. And, I, and again, no hate to Cameron Reddish; he's a great player. He'll be in the top five. I mean, even with his struggles, he is supreme. He's very talented. Um, but it's not getting enough. Press because Duke wins. They're winning. They've only lost two games this year, and, and and I mean against Florida State when they needed him to step up, he did. But he's been horrendous this year. I mean, just outside of the first uh, against Kentucky, he was pretty good. I think he had twenty something in that game, and then against Florida State, and really other than that, he's just it's been a lot of ugh. he hasn't good been good in conference play. Four of thirteen from the floor. Now against Notre Dame, that you don't need, you know. Zion and RJ can kind of do do their thing, and that's that, right? You don't have to really worry about that because 
Notre Dame's bad. They're they are a legit bad team. Um, and they they went on the road and they did what they should. But it's just interesting that how much longer can it be just Zion and RJ carrying this team offensively? They're still a pretty good defensive team. I'm surprised. Now it starts with Trey Jones, but Marquise Bolden's been pretty good defending uh, defending the cups. You know, I mean. Zion gets his ridiculous blocks every game. But I'm surprised with the other guys. You know, Reddish, Barrett, they all, they're a pretty good defensive team. But, man, they're not good on their bench. And, man, two guys seem to carry this team scoring the ball. I just wonder how much longer, you know, that can continue. You need Cameron Reddish to step up. I mean, he should be getting 15 to 20 a game. He's that good. He is that good. Um Trey Jones doesn't necessarily need to be a scorer, per se. Um, but, you know, he can put the ball in the cup. He had nine points on a 4-6 shooting. He was fine. But, uh, you know, not a not a volume scorer, I guess, per se. You need more out of Bolden down low. I mean, so, you know, we'll, it, it, we'll see with Duke. Um, they're going to – St. John's is not good. That's not – that's a team that will probably end up missing the tournament after starting, I believe, like 12-13-0. Um, I expect Duke to run them off the court on Saturday. Last year, Duke lost to St. John's at the Garden. Um, don't think that's happening again. And then against uh, at home, I think at home against Boston College, their next game after that, they'll win that easily too. Uh, Duke shouldn't have much problems. And then they, you know, pack up, head to Charlottesville. And that's going to be that's going to be a great test because. Duke's at full strength. Virginia's at full strength. Okay, now it's on the road. Mono we mono. Let's go. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But as Duke has shot the ball so poorly in conference play, it almost cost them against Georgia Tech. They were able to come back, but like, let me just read off some of these percentages just just for effect. I mean, <clears throat> it just it's it's kind of astounding how bad uh, shooting the ball uh, against Tech, two of twenty one. It's nine percent. It's nine percent. Um, uh, at Pittsburgh again, a game they won fairly handily. But seven for twenty-three. That was third. That was actually one of their better shooting games. Uh, in conference play. Uh, hold on a second. Okay, here we go. And then uh, against Virginia, you know, their big win, obviously. Two of 14. Now they they, they balled out in the paint, right? I mean, again, Duke scored 72 points. 57 of it were from RJ and Zion. I mean, like, that's their guys. And, and you know, Jack White kind of gave them – he was pretty good early in the season, but he hasn't really been much – done much in conference play. Uh, Cameron Reddish only nine points. So the point is, is like this team is really is centered around two guys right now. Definitely on the offensive end. They again they defend pretty well. And they don't shoot the ball well. And that could be now they're gonna they're gonna destroy inferior opponents just because of how athletic and talented they are. But that's a problem, I think, going forward. If they can't make shots. Um because I mean, they don't have a ton of dudes that, you know, yeah, you got Alex O'Connell, that's fine, but that you can bring off the bench. 
Jack White. Okay, maybe, but Jack White would 0 for 10 against Syracuse. I, he's not shooting the ball well right now, and uh, no one really else is uh, for Duke consistently. So I think it's just something to watch out for for Duke. Um, but I expect them to run through the next two teams uh, and, and can't wait for that game in Virginia. That's going to be a heck of a game. All right, SEC Big 12 Challenge. We're going to go ahead and just talk about that. Um, let's find all the games here. Uh, Big 12, sure. Um, all right, so I picked Alabama to beat Baylor. Of course, they did not. Uh, we'll just talk about some of the bad results, uh, some of the, the stunners. So A&M beat Kansas State by double digits. Didn't see that one coming. Texas lost to Georgia. Again, it, Georgia scored 98 points. It's not a very good offensive team. Uh, I, you know, I've watched about 35 minutes, 30 minutes of Georgia basketball this year, and they don't score the ball very well. Uh, South Carolina, Carolina lost at a bad Oklahoma State. Two bad teams. Um, South Carolina's looking not so hot since they're winning against Auburn. And then Florida sco- scores 50 points in a loss to TCU. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Baylor, like I said, Baylor uh, outlast Alabama. And Iowa State destroys, pretty much controls the entire game against uh, Ole Miss. I think Iowa shot close to 70% in the second half, uh, and and they trounced them. And then, you know, Tennessee won, Kentucky won, uh, Tech won. All those teams won at home. So, but Alabama... They are an enigma. They've been really good at home since conference play. They did lose at, a- at home to A&M on that freak last second shot. Alabama is a team where I go through their losses, um, and they could be their 13 zone right now. They could easily be 17-3, easily. Okay, They lost a five-point loss at Baylor. Um, the loss against Tennessee, they had that game. Just make free throws. A&M, they had that game too. Just don't blow it. Um, they were up. They were cruising in that game. They let them come back. Georgia stayed at home. They lost that game by three. You know, that's a game that you just got to find a way to win. And then first loss of the year against Northeastern. Uh, I believe that was in, like, Charleston. Um, just didn't show up to play that game. They get blown out. Um, Alabama's easily a team. That could be a five seed right now in the field, and they're on the bubble. They're probably in as at this point. They just won. Uh, they won yesterday, I believe it was, against Mississippi State at home. So they've be- beaten the last two home games, top 20, uh, 25 teams. Uh, they just – so they have – and they have a win against Kentucky. Um, like Alabama – we'll have to see, again, we'll have to kind of see how the, 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 it plays out. But uh, a team that's looking pretty good right now. But against Baylor, that was a game that they they really could have won, and they all and they like they had an opportunity uh, to win that game, and it was a it was a uh, it was a tough loss. Um, five for seventeen from three. They shot over fifty percent from the floor, but only seven free throw attempts. They get out rebounded, and uh, they only force eight turnovers. So Baylor's ended. Ended up, ended up winning that game um, in Baylor all of a sudden. Um, since Tristan Clark went out for the season, one of their key starters, I think they're 5-1 and one 
And they went to Oklahoma and won by, I think it was 20, uh, on, on Big Monday. Uh, you talk about a team that is on on fire. Scott Drew has this team playing extremely well. Jared Butler, transfer from Alabama, um, has been really good this year. Makai Mason, I think he went he was a, the Yale transfer, has been a good addition for him. And uh, the Baylor Bears all of a sudden looking the part of a legit NCAA team. I mean, the first game of the year they lost at home to Texas Southern, and it was like it looked like it was going to be a long year. Uh, and since then, uh, in conference play, they've only lost uh, a couple games at TCU and a home game against Kansas. They have wins against Alabama at home, a bubble team, uh, at Oklahoma. They won that game by 30. I, I didn't do them just. They won at, just won at Oklahoma by 30, beat Texas Tech at home, beat Iowa State who all of a sudden is looking terrific. Uh, so Baylor looking the part of a uh, legit tournament team. Lenardi, I think, had them as a 10 seed uh, in his latest bracketology update. But both these teams, you know, I, I think Baylor's going to make the tournament for sure now. Alabama, though, right there after the, their win at home against Mississippi State. Uh, Dante Hall, man, he's just a double-double machine. Uh, but it's clear Alabama is looking the part of a uh, – of potentially a upper tier SEC team, they've looked good recently. They they've played pretty well. Uh, Ole Miss and Iowa State, two teams going in opposite directions. Ole Miss was looking so good uh, early on, and and it seems to be fading away quite a bit now. They've now lost three of four, two of those three coming at home, and I thought that they were going to be able to to knock off the Cyclones, and the Cyclones had none of it. Like I said, Taylor Horton Tucker is a, is a one and done at 23 points in this game, eight rebounds, uh, really good kind of a hybrid guard forward kind of a kind of a player, but can really do it all. Mario Shayok has been terrific uh, since coming over from Virginia, and uh, they uh, and uh, they they run over the Rebels uh, in Oxford. Shot 69% from the floor, 53% from three. They are looking terrific right now. And we'll talk about Kansas in just a second. This, this is my pick. This is my pick, even with three losses in conference already, to win the Big 12. That, that, I think them or Texas Tech all of a sudden is becoming your front runner. And uh, I mean, currently right now, Iowa State's 4-3 in conference, but they're only a game back. First, Kansas State is your leader at five and two. Baylor five and two as well. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas uh, at five and three. Iowa State at four and three. I believe they play tonight against West Virginia at home. That'll be a win. So they're going to be tied for second, more than likely at the end of the night. I think that team is going to win the Big Twelve. They're playing at a really good level. Really good offensive team. Steve Prom has his guys going. And that's my pick uh, to win the Big 12. All right, let's talk Kansas and Kentucky. I, I was able to watch pretty much all of this game. Um, we'll talk from the Kansas perspective, and then we'll co- talk from the Kentucky perspective. Kansas, like, Dedrick Lawson's awesome. <laughs> he is. But other than that, they just don't have anything else. They just really don't. Like, like it's it's – Bill Self on the sidelines throughout the game was looking kind of helpless. Like, what? I don't know what to do. I don't know who to put in. And the loss of Azabuki, the no Silvio De Sosa, still ineligible. Um, they better hope he can get eligible, or else Kansas is screwed. They have now lost two straight games. Uh, 
but the first one coming at the hands of the Kentucky Wildcats. I thought Kansas played fine. I didn't think they played terrible. They only turned it over eight times. Uh, they got slaughtered on the boards, which that hurt them. But that was more of just a personnel problem than like an effort issue. They just did not have the dudes. Dude, they, I mean, just not a great offensive team at this point. Although Quentin Grimes gave him 13 points, had his best offensive outing in a while. Um, so it's good to see for the young, the young freshman. Uh, again, I think he's going to be a, end up being a terrific player. He may end up coming back another year, and that's fine. Uh, but he he's really good. Devin Dotson ended up fouling out of this game. Uh, Kansas ended up making nine threes. They were that's kind of what kept them in the game. Is uh, some three point makes uh, when Kentucky was about to blow the game open, and uh, Dedrick Lawson twenty and fifteen was I mean was trying to put the team on his back, but it, it was not enough. I thought Kentucky did a pretty good job defensively against him. Held him right around to a season average in scoring, uh, and they didn't really let him. Uh, what 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 is so dangerous about him is whenever he misses a shot, getting that rebound and putting it back up. And Kentucky didn't allow that. I mean, when he missed a shot, it was usually one and done. They didn't they didn't let him get a bunch of uh, of opportunities to um, uh, to to get second chance points. So and and Marcus Garrett, who had been playing pretty good offense for the Jayhawks recently, only four points, one of nine from the foot, one of nine. Uh, really struggled in this game. And then LeGerald Vick, they couldn't free him up. And, and that was a big part of the game. Uh, LeGerald Vick, obviously the best three-point shooter on the team at 45%. But he really, he only took five attempts. Only five attempts. Uh, so uh, wasn't they uh, just was not able uh, to get free. Tyler Hero did a great job on him. Um, you know, Kansas just didn't have enough offense. They played good defense. They, they're, they're well coached. You knew that coming in. But ultimately, I think Kentucky was too much. And then, then they go to Texas uh, on Big Monday. Or no, it was not Big Monday. It was a they usually play on Big Monday. It was it was a Super Tuesday game, and they lost seventy three to sixty three. Kansas is now in full on. Uh, I think it's panic mode. I mean, they're just not. It's not very good right now. Uh, now lost three of four. Two of them to unranked teams, yes, on the road, but still to unranked teams. Um, I don't know what to say. This like, without another big, they just don't have enough offense. They haven't scored, or they have scored in in this losing streak more than seventy, just once. That was the wing against Iowa State. They're a team that just they're struggling to score the ball right now. And uh, they need, I mean, as a bookie would have helped, um, but it's too much Dedrick Loss in this team, and they're not a good enough three-point shooting team. You know, if they're solid defensively, they they're not giving up a, a ridiculous amount of points, but uh, they just flat out cannot score the ball enough, and, and it's showing. I, I, Big Bill Self just doesn't have enough at this point, and I know it's always betting it's Kansas right, and they end up turning it around. Um, if they don't get Silvio de Sosa uh, eligible, they're not winning it. I just don't think they can. Um, they're gonna lose more games. Um, they're not. It's not just all of a sudden gonna fix itself. Uh, they they have personnel problems. It's it it goes beyond just no. They're not playing so well. I mean, I I just think they legitimately don't have uh, the personnel without Azubuki or de Sosa. 
Because David McCormick, while I think he'll be a solid player for them, isn't ready yet. He's just not ready yet, and he hasn't really done a whole lot this year. Um, and, I mean, they had to pull the red shirt off. Uh, Abachi, uh, and he's actually been one of their better players. He had 20 points uh, against Texas. He was, like, one of their lone offensive players. Uh, but K.J. Lawson hasn't given the Jayhawks much. Um, I mean, they, if LeGerald Vick isn't hitting a bunch of threes – you know, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like their struggle. Let's let's look at the box score against Texas. What what they uh they did. I mean Dedrick Lawson only had thirteen and seven. I mean if he if he only does that, I mean it, in in going against Jackson Hayes, super long athletic big guy for the Longhorns, he struggled quite a bit. And Quentin Grimes only had three points. Um you know, they they just don't they don't get they don't give you a whole bunch um, outside of Lawson. And when he doesn't give you a bunch, then you're, you're definitely in trouble. And again, you know, Devin Dodson had nine points, but I mean, that's your point. Where you, you're not looking for him for a bunch of scoring. So, so the, Texas has really uh, struggled right now. Or excuse me, Kansas, not Texas. Texas um, might have just saved their season with that win. So uh, a good win for Texas, and Kansas is continuing continuing, excuse me, continuing to spiral, spiral, spiral down, uh, and uh, they need reinforcements, and they need them fast. Okay, for Kentucky, this game didn't shoot the ball well, but I thought it was a really good win against a good team. Uh, but the first half, Kentucky played one of their worst halves recently, right, during the win streak. It was one of their worst halves. Um, it was definitely their worst half since I'd say the Georgia game they played. Um, they did not play well. They didn't shoot the ball. They didn't make a three. Um, you know, Ashton Hagens I thought was rattled. Was playing way too fast. I think he had he had to have had most of his four turnovers for the game in that first half. Really struggled. Um, Reed Travis was really the best player in that half. But again, Reed Travis can't be Kentucky's best player. And they were down by three at halftime. It was kind of a miracle they were even down by three. Kansas got him down by ten. But Reed Travis was absolutely terrific. Kind of, I think he had four and ones. Four and ones in one half. He, he was really good, though. And that was a matchup where he could exploit it because Dedrick Lawson, not a super long guy, not a super athletic, bouncy guy. A guy that him and Reed Travis are, again, like I, like I said in the preview, pretty similar. So it was a matchup that Reed could take advantage of. And then also they don't have enough big guys. So if if Dedrick Lawson was switched on to P.J., they have absolutely no one that can guard uh, Reed Travis in the post. And it didn't happen. And, and he had 18 points, 12 rebounds. Was really good in this game. Uh, P.J. Washington is continuing his ascent. Uh, he, he was awesome. Uh, 20 and 13. Didn't hit a three like he had been hitting. Uh, he had a three-point make in his last three games, but still was terrific. Had a couple blocks, too. Was really good. Uh, inside out had a huge mid-range jumper. Kansas had cut the lead to three with around I think seven minutes left, and he hit a jumper. Kentucky then got a stop. Then Ashton Hagens had a nice jumper, uh, got the lead back out to seven. It seemed like every single time in the second half, Kansas would cut the lead from eight to five or from even eight to down all the way to three. Uh, Kentucky had an answer, and uh, and that's exactly what happened uh, in this game. Kentucky won this game and scored 71 points without one bench point. But I think they got contributions from their bench. Uh, nonetheless, Nick Richards in f- 
in nine minutes had five blocks. In nine minutes had five blocks and an assist. Uh, E.J. Montgomery got a block in seven minutes. Um, so you still, you know, from at least your bigs on the bench, you know, because, I mean, P.J. and Reed played pretty much the entire game. Reed got in a little bit of foul trouble, but not, uh, not too much. I mean, they were really, really good. Um, and Nick Richards being a really good rim protector. He has turned himself into a great rim, rim protector, and we'll talk about this with the Vandy game, but in his last 28 minutes of basketball, he has nine blocks. Nine blocks. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's, that's how much Reed Travis played 28 minutes in this game. You know, in that same span... 20 minutes, Nick Richards had nine blocks. That's very good. Uh, Ashton Hagens, I thought, was terrific in the second half. Was absolutely terrific. Um, hit a big-time three with the shot clock going down, like I said. Uh, after P.J. hit his jumper, Kentucky got a stop at the end of the shot clock. Had a beautiful behind-the-back uh, move that kind of got him some space against Dotson, and he drained uh, a nice mid-range jumper. Uh, I thought he was wet. He was very in control. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but they didn't need him to. But I thought he was very, very much in control um, of the game, managed it, defended really well, uh, and he set up his, his teammates for big shots. Um, so I thought he was great uh, in, in the second half after kind of a shaky first half. Ended up with eight assists and three steals, 12 points. That's a pretty darn good stat line um, for uh, Ashton Hagens, and a lot of that came in the second half. Uh, Kelton Johnson was great as well. In the second half, uh, hit three big threes. I mean, Kentucky couldn't buy a three-pointer in this game, only four for 18. Kind of like Duke, they've struggled this year shooting three, but they've been better as of late than Duke has. Um, ended up with 15 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, and he made, I mean, each three he hit was like, it was kind of a, 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 a nail in the coffin, each of them. I mean, he hit the first one to put Kentucky up two to get the lead back. He hit the second one to get him up by six. That kind of got that padded lead. He padded the lead a little bit. And then the third one uh, made it an eight-point game with, a, I think, maybe two, either two or one minute left. Uh, was kind of the dagger, per se. So Kelton Johnson knocking down some big-time shots and, and with a hand in his face. But uh, that was really good. Tyler Hero did not shoot the ball well at all in this game. But, man, he defended uh, very, very well. Uh, had five rebounds. Kelton, by the way, uh, a double-double with ten rebounds. First game, Kentucky had three guys with double-doubles. Travis, Washington, Kelton. Uh, since 2010, the the the, the Wall-Cousins year. Um, I think it was, was it Wall-Cousins and uh, Patterson, I think is what it was, something like that. Pretty insane stuff. And, but... Hero was really good on the Gerald Vick. That was where his contribution was made. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well at all. Uh, it was two for nine from the from the floor. He had six points, but he still played really well. Uh, had, had four assists, had five rebounds. Again, like I said, and defended Vick very well. Kept, held him to only two made threes. That was big. Um, so I think Kentucky played pretty well in this game. After after a bad first half, really turned around the second. Outscored the Jayhawks forty-one to thirty uh, and eased their way to their, I think it was, what was that, their sixth straight victory? Let's see. Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know. Hold on a second. 
Yeah, their sixth straight victory. And then the next game, last night against Vanderbilt. Uh, so Vanderbilt had just taken Tennessee down to the wire, right? You know, they had played that game in overtime, probably should have won it because uh, of that ridiculous uh, call on the Commodores. So in, in Kentucky, I, I was going back on the Kentucky Sports Podcast with uh, me and Tory Bowling, and I was like, Tory, when's the last time Kentucky's played a close game against Vanderbilt? Or blown out Vanderbilt, excuse me. When's the last time they haven't played a close game against Vanderbilt? Couldn't think of one off the top of your head. And the answer was against uh, the, the Murray Ulysses here in 2016, January 2016, at home. You know, they blew them out. They won by like 23. Um, but even that year, they went down to Vandy and lost. So they haven't beaten Vanderbilt on the road by double digits in 13 years So since Cal's been here. All the games at Vandy have been fairly close. Uh, even if Kentucky pulls away at the end like they did the Monk Fox here, I mean, the first time they went down there, the Wall, uh, the Wall Cousins year, it was a, it was a nail biter. Um, you know, it's, it's just been a tough place for Kentucky to play, regardless of how good Vandy, or good or bad Vandy is. Like last year, they were very bad, and it was still a pretty close game. Kentucky ended up kind of pulling away of late, but uh, uh, it was still a close game. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. I knew Kentucky should be; they're clearly better. They should be able to beat this team, and. Vandy's coming off 30-point loss to Oklahoma, so it's not like they're playing with a ton of confidence at the moment. Um, it was as good as I could have imagined. Offensively, defensively, uh, everything. I mean, they, they played a very, very good game all around, um, and it was one of Kentucky. It, it was one of Kentucky's best performances, and they won. Well, it ended up being by 35. I thought it was by 34. Um, Excuse me there, uh, but they won right around the number of that first defeat, so that was good to get the the taste out of your mouth of that one a little bit. Um, Kentucky was up by thirty points in the first half. Jamal Baker was hitting shots. I mean, you had PJ PJ Washington again, third straight twenty point game, a second straight double double was all over the court. Um, Reed Travis didn't play a whole lot in this game, but, I, but with the score so out of hand, Cal put in Nick Richards, who was pretty good. Had 14 points, four, four blocks in 19 minutes. Um, was pretty darn good on the offensive end. Uh, had a season-high 14 points. Kelton didn't even score in the first half. Kentucky was, up by, Kentucky was up by 30 points against an SEC team on the road. And Kelton Johnson and Reed Travis didn't have a point. Now, Vandy's the worst team in conference by far, but, I mean, let that sink in for a second. Let that sink in for a second. No points from two of your best four players, and Kelton may be your best player, definitely your best pro prospect. That's pretty impressive. Um, but P.J. Washington outscored the Commodores 18-15 to 15 in the first half. Tuggy's defense was suffocating. Uh, I think they won a 33-5 to run the final nine minutes of the half. Um, they just put them away. I mean, they, 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 there was no no doubt. And, you know, when you get up by that much, there's no really coming back. And, you know, Vandy didn't really have much of an answer. Um, I knew going in, in uh, Simi Shitu, maybe their best player, definitely the best pro prospect, no points. Ofer, uh, the combination of P.J. Washington and Reed Travis shut him down. Kentucky's done a great job against opposing bigs recently. Uh, Eric Holman Abdul-Dew had zero points 
both of those dudes. Uh, Dedrick Lawson had 20 and 15, but I mean he's one of the, he's a National Player of the Year candidate, and he didn't he didn't in even though he got his in the offensive end, Reed wore him down so much on the defensive end. Um, to where it was kind of like every point that he scored, well, we're going to come back down and get a, uh, get two more on you. Um, kind of wore him out. And then at the end of the game, I mean, he lost him just kind of chucking up jump shots. I mean, he just wanted no part of defending. It made him work. Uh, and then in this game, Simichitu does nothing. Um, really, really impressive. Um, so let's see. Yeah, they had Clavon uh, Cl- uh, Brown, three points, Yanni Wetzel, five points. Simi Shitu, zero points. Matt Ryan's technically like a power forward, but he's a stretch four. He he got all of his points from behind the arc. Uh, so Vandy's front court players combined it for 8.3 of them. Matthew Moore kind of plays inside, but he's like a small forward. Ended up with three points. Uh, nothing. Like eight, eight points between three guys. Totally shut them down in the paint. Uh, didn't really think there was a player that played bad. Like, Keldon d- didn't really do a whole lot in the first half. I think he only, had, like, he only played like seven minutes. But then he, in the second half, he came and brought it. Had, had 11 points. Uh, sh- sh- hit a, hit three threes. Um, Kentucky for the game, 10 for 17 from three. Um, t- this is a team that's starting to figure it out. Um, and we'll talk about this as far as like going forward, but you get a 35-point road win at this point in the season. It, it a lot. I mean, ever since Quade Green transferred out, Kentucky has just been a different team, and they are just so much better now with Hagen's at point because he's a playmaker, and now he's starting to shoot the ball. Okay, right? He had he had a three in this game, almost had two. His foot was on the line. I was hitting jump shots in this game. Had eight assists. He has like I saw said he has like forty eight assists in the month of January. I mean, you're starting to see the first month or so, month and a half of the season, wasn't very good. He just wasn't very good. And ever since and now he's starting to figure it out and we're starting to see the uh we're starting to see the ramifications on for for the opposition. I mean it, you know, terrific. And PJ Washington you know, much maligned for his inconsistency, has just been insanely good. And he can play inside, he can play out, he's making free throws, he's making threes. This is the guy that we all kind of expected, you know, out of the gate, not what he did against Duke, not the eight points in, or, you know, eight points in 15 minutes against Duke. Um, He's bringing it, and when Kentucky plays like this, they're as good as Duke, or they're up there. They, Duke's still more talented. Duke's still more athletic. But Kentucky at the beginning of the year was so bad that a 34-point beating was just what was going to happen. Duke was better at the beginning of the year, clearly. But th- at this point, you know, we'll see. But uh, st- but Kentucky is clearly on the rise. They're doing great uh, recently. Um, go to Florida Again, we'll preview some of those games uh, upcoming. Let me see if there's any other games that is that are worth mentioning. Uh, let's see. Carolina again. They're they're kind of rolling right now. That they, they just won yesterday against Georgia Tech on the road. Um, they, they're good. I mean, they're a top ten team. I know they have four losses, 
maybe more than they should, uh, but they're doing good. Texas Tech, yeah, we're just going to do little, little quick hitters right here, by the way. Uh, Texas Tech getting back on track, two straight wins at home against Arkansas and TCU. Both of them, they scored well. That's good to see. Texas Tech has got to be able to score the basketball. They don't need to score 80 a game. Um, they had 84 uh, against uh, TCU. They don't have to score that much, but they got to be able to get in the mid 70s. And they have talent. It's I mean Jared Culver's their guy. He's he's their he's their lottery pick potentially. But they got Matt Mooney. He's a good scorer. That's what they brought. That's what Chris Beard brought him in from. I think it was either North Dakota, North Dakota State. That's what they brought him in for to sh- to sh- to shoot the ball and score. Uh, you know. David Moretti, that's a guy you know from the point guard spot that can that can shoot the ball. Had three threes in this game. Uh, Tariq Owens from St. John's. I mean, that's a dude that can score the ball in the post. Um, it's kind of a ragtag knit together group, but they're solid. And Chris Beard's a really good coach, and they should be able to score better than they have uh, for a majority of this year. Okay, who else? Uh, Purdue. We're going to mention Purdue. So. Uh, you talk about a team again. We two red hot teams uh, coming into this game: Michigan State and Purdue. And Purdue was brutal early this year, but again, a lot of the losses, like I've said, were against ranked teams early, and they hadn't lost many games since. Their two losses in conference are at Michigan State and at Michigan. <laughs> I mean, you know that that's that's pretty good, and rightfully so. They jumped way up uh, as a result of their. Smackdown of Michigan State. It was a, I mean, they were up by as much as 20, 23. Michigan State came back, made it a two or three point game, and uh, but Purdue was able to hang on. I think uh, there's a stat like Purdue is undefeated, but Matt Harm scores in double digits, so they need to be getting him in double digits. I mean, and he's good, he's a solid player. He's not next to Isaac Hawes, which I mean, that helped them last year, um, but they still have a you know, they have a good freshman. And uh, Trevion Williams, kind of their kind of their secret weapon down low. Um, Ryan Klein hitting th- hit five threes in this game. You know Carson Edwards hasn't been super efficient lately, but he hasn't really needed to be. No gel Eastern of uh, the sophomore uh, hit eight free throws, hit some clutch free throws at the end of the game. Uh, for for Michigan State, I don't really take a whole lot away from it. They've, they've been playing a lot of road games, but however. Their resume, because Kentucky was somehow ranked below them after Kentucky won against two top twenty-five teams and State lost to an unranked then an unranked team. Um, Michigan, a lot of Michigan State's wins when they happened looked really good, but now don't look so good anymore. Um, like let's go through them. The the win at Ohio State. You know Ohio State's fine. They're not bad. Not a bad win by any means, but that looked like a really good win at first, and now it's kind of like, well, Ohio State's a, a bubble team. Uh, at Nebraska, I thought that was a really good win at the moment. Well, Nebraska, you know, they now has lost Isaac Copeland for the season. They just lost a home game to Wisconsin. Uh, they're not going to make the tournament. They're going to end up falling out. Uh, Maryland was looking so good when they headed to Sparty uh, last Monday and just lost to Illinois. Uh so, in Illinois, I mean, not not exactly a great team. I mean, they they have a potential first round pick in Ao Das Dasunmu, but my goodness, uh, bad loss at the Garden for for the Terrapins. Um, maybe Illinois' best win since I've been covering, uh, since I've been following college basketball. 
Um, good for good for the Illini and Brad Underwood. But and then at Iowa, who has now fallen out of the rankings. So I they're still good. I mean, listen, they're still a good team. Let's 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 not. Spartans are still terrific. Um, and they're still doing all this without Josh Langford. But I think a lot of their wins, their resume, isn't quite as impressive. And you also combine again, just don't understand why they're ranked ahead of Kentucky. Uh, the two teams, two of the three teams that Michigan State has lost to, uh, Kentucky has won. Kentucky's beaten. Won against. So, you know, there, there is that, but it is what it is. Uh, Houston continues just to roll through. The American. I can't wait for them in Cincinnati to play. That's coming up because Cincinnati, uh, they, they only have one loss. They only have three losses on the year. Uh, lost at Eastern Carolina early on, but they just won at Temple, uh, the, the Bearcats, it is. Uh, so them in Houston's going to be some wars, a couple of those games. Uh, but Houston keeps rolling, and uh, Kelvin Sampson is just terrific. He's, he's a terrific coach, perfect guy for that program. Villanova, you talk about a team – that is starting to figure it out. Jay Wright, what do they want? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight wins. Uh, undefeated in conference play. Um, they they look they look terrific. Get, get good wins at Creighton. Uh, they beat the Johnnies. I think they yeah they beat the Johnnies. I think the Johnnies might have been without Shamori Pons. I don't remember, but uh, still a good win. From there, uh, one at Butler. That's a place that they've struggled to play at. Uh, they recently just beat Seton Hall, who talk about a team that's fallen off a cliff. Seton Hall uh, beat them by thirty at home. Villanova starting to figure it out. Uh, get your calendar ready for them and Marquette uh, upcoming pretty soon in a couple weeks. And Marquette keeps winning. Again, the Big East is so bad outside of those two teams. It's it's those two. And the rest of the conference, there hasn't. I mean, Xavier's major drop off, uh, obviously with Chris Matt gone, guys going pro. And uh, uh, I mean, you know, Seton Hall's not very good. Uh, they're they are clinging on to that Kentucky win like no other. Um, so there you go. But yeah, it, it is. It, the Johnnies have fallen off completely. Um, so. It, it, that may be a two-bid league. I, I could honestly see that happening. I think right now, currently, St. John's is in the field. Uh, I think the Johnnies are in the field, but it's – I don't know. I could see that being a two-bid league. Uh, but those two are very good. Those two are, those two teams are very good uh, at this point. They're, they're, they're running through their competition. Now let's talk about Indiana for a second well, while we got a little time left. Indiana is in the midst of a – what is it? A seven-game losing streak? And, you know, I, I mentioned – podcast the last Friday, I was like, well, here's a good opportunity for both Michigan and Indiana, both of them kind of struggling, uh, Indiana at home. I was like, you know, if you're Indiana, no better time to catch Michigan than when they're kind of struggling at home. They proceeded to get down 17-0 and lose 69-46. to um, Indiana will not make the tournament this year. I don't – like, their upcoming game – their next game is at, at – I think Rutgers is going to win. I ain't picking Indiana until they win a game again. Um, but it, go, it goes to show – I mean, this – not that Indiana was going to win a tournament this year, but this, they, this team should be decent. This team should should be winning games. Uh, before that, they lost to Northwestern. And they're, they're not they're not very good. 
mean, Juwan Morgan has been kind of a double-double guy for him. But Romeo Langford hasn't been good for them this year, for the most part. Three for 12 in this game. They don't play much defense. They don't, they're not a good shooting team. They don't really do anything well. Um, they're an NIT team. I, is Indiana ever going to get back to what they were in the Bobby Knight? I don't, I don't know. I really don't. At this point, I can't say they will. Uh, Archie Miller, I thought, was a great hire for him, but it's not working out. And it's just, it's really bad. Uh, it's really bad in Bloomington, but I, I don't think this team's going to the tournament. I don't think it's going to happen. They've, I know they've battled some injuries this year, fair enough, but like they should be better than what they are this year. Uh, and this is a really bad loss. For Indiana, because I mean, when's the day that Michigan was the superior basketball program to Indiana? Like, whoever saw that day coming, right? But the, but that's just that's what it is. And Michigan goes in there and just outclasses Indiana on its, on its home court. And, and I think reality's starting to set in there. It's just not going to happen. And, uh, you know, they get, they get the best in-state player. They keep him back home. Um, and he's one of the best one in-state players Indiana's produced in a long time. And it's going to go to waste. And, you know, this, this is an NIT team currently, I think. I think they're clinging to a, a 9-10 seed. I don't think they're going to get it. You know, I don't think they're going to keep that. They, this, they're just simply not a very good team uh, at this point. Let's see if there's anything else right before I get into my team rankings. Louisville continues to win. They, they jumped up. LSU came back from 14 down with two minutes left to get the game to overtime to beat Missouri. They jumped up five spots in the AP poll. Uh, they're kind of, again, they've beaten up on the bad half of the conference. Um, in the SEC, but they keep winning, and they find ways to win, and uh, they look the part of a legit four or five seed. I, I think so. I mean, they got got. I mean, Tremont Waters, uh, you know, between in their front line, they're a legitimately a uh, really good team. Like I said, Kansas State losing to Texas a and I, I kind of assumed that that Texas that State would win that game. It just goes to show you you can't win solely on defense, and that's what happened. Because when, when you go on the road and the team gets high, you got to be able to score. You just got to be able to score somewhat, and uh, Kansas State just does not have enough offense. Uh, I mean, because that's a bad team. A and M's just a really, really bad team. Um, Washington is looking like the class of the Pac-12. They're currently undefeated. Um, they look really good. USC's been winning quite a bit. That's going to be an interesting little conference tournament. But I, I think they're going to get two teams in at least. I think Washington and Arizona State are your favorites right now. Although I could see USC making a run. They have a ton of talent. They've beaten, I think, most of the good teams in the conference. Uh, Arizona, I don't see making the tournament this year. They've struggled as of late. They've had some in in season transfers. Emmanuel Acott is gone. So I don't know. Uh, but the Pac twelve the Pac twelve tournament should be actually really entertaining this year. Should be somewhat comparable to a, a mid major tournament uh, because of how bad the conference is. All right, yeah, let's go into. Some previews before I get to my top ten, and then we will wrap it up. Marquette goes to Butler tonight. Trap game for Marquette. Maybe we'll see. Uh, Marquette can't remember the last time they have played a team without or with less than eight losses. But Butler's always tough at home. Florida and Ole Miss. I'm going to be paying attention to that one because both teams need that game bad, really bad. Uh, uh, Florida. Uh, coming off, with both teams coming off a loss. Ole Miss lost three of four. Florida, you know, clinging onto the bubble at this point. 
Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Iowa State hosts West Virginia. Like I said, I think that's a that's a win for um, for Iowa State. Villanova goes into Paul. Louisville to Wake Forest. Some of your ranked games. Uh, Indiana goes to Rutgers tonight. Like I said, pay attention to uh, Indiana. I'm trying to see if any Saturday games. Kentucky goes to Florida. That's that's going to be a really good game, uh, a really good test for the Wildcats, and uh, what should be a really good, um, what should be a really really uh, good environment uh, on Saturday. Uh, game day I think is uh, Michigan State and Indiana again. Poor Indiana just getting put. That's going to be on national television. That's going to be quite embarrassing. I forgot to mention Virginia just about dropped a game to NC State. DeAndre Hunter fouled a three-point shooter um, with like .9 seconds left in overtime, up three, uh, miss, miss, missed one of uh, or missed one of them. Virginia hangs on again. Let's just wait for that Duke game. Wait for that Duke game. But Virginia Tech goes to State. That'll be a good test for both teams. Uh, State needs to win one of these home games against a ranked team. Um, like I said, Duke and the Johnnies play. That should be a pretty entertaining game as well. Purdue hosts Minnesota on Sunday. So there you go. All right, so my top ten teams. We'll go to that, and uh, we'll recap all those games on the next podcast. Probably I'll probably do this on Wednesdays. I've, even without class canceled, I have plenty of time on Wednesdays for the most part. We'll probably do it then. So my top ten teams. Um, teams that I think are going to well, – well, We'll see as far as winning title. But these are my top ten teams as of right now. Number one is Duke. Number one is Duke. Um, they are going to be number one until their fatal, their fatal flaws truly bite them in the butt. Because it hasn't really yet. Because Syracuse was shorthanded. Um, in that, that Gonzaga-Duke game was just a war. But Gonzaga controlled most of that game. That was back in November. You know, the November games don't really matter. That doesn't matter. Uh, so that's what I'm going to go with. Duke at number one. They've been the best team, I think, throughout the entire year. They have the best two players. Um, their shooting is a problem. But I think that they're the best team. I do. And um, at full health, all the talent, that's what I think. Number two, Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, I, who's playing better than Kentucky right now? Coming off three straight wins against top 25 teams. And then they beat Vanderbilt by 35 on their home court. A week after Tennessee by loss. Kentucky's number two. With P.J. Washington playing as good as he's... And the thing is, they're not done yet. I mean, Kelton takes halves off. Tyler, the last two games, hadn't hit threes over for seven from three. There's a lot. There's and, and then turnovers against Kansas, turnovers against Mississippi State. Right, there's more more jump miss miss jump shots against Kansas, turnovers against Mississippi State. You know, inconsistent shooting. If they can find a way to hit threes consistently, they're as good as Duke, maybe, maybe better. But P.J. Washington did not play. Like, that first game, man, that it's a long time ago. And Kentucky's playing a lot better. And I, I poo-pooed Kentucky a long, t- 
for a long time because of that game. But now we're seeing the turnaround. So I, and, and after that Auburn game, I, they're legit. I can't really – you know, if they lose against Florida, which I think will be a great test for them, that's, uh, that's what I think. They're, they're legit. So number two. Number three, Tennessee. They've looked better the last two games. Uh, West Virginia, they couldn't score at all in the first half, then they ended up running away with it one-handedly. Uh, went to South Carolina um, last nine minutes – or uh, last 11 minutes. They, they blew them out, Fi- found a way to win. Uh, 20, uh, won by 22, 92 to 70. They got Admiral Schofield going. They're good. But I think those two games between Kentucky and Tennessee are going to be absolute wars, and I cannot wait. We're gonna we might just go for top five here. Um, number four, Gonzaga. Um, I really like. I mean, they have an awesome front line. I Rui is so good. Brandon Clark is such a good rim protector. Um, they get steady guard play. They can shoot. Their Kim Palm uh, grades them out as the top offensive team and adjusted offensive efficiency. That team's just really good. Uh, that. And uh, they're going to cause problems. They're every bit as good as as any of the top five teams. And then number five, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm going to go with Michigan because they they've been solid all year. They, again, the top end talent maybe isn't there, and a lot of their wins look better than than now. But I mean, just crushed Indiana on the road, and then they then they handled Ohio State, handled. I don't see anyone beating them at Ann Arbor. That team is good. Um, so that that's who I would go with with my top five. Um, and, and I think that if, if I had to pick five, say you're putting five on team, that's who I'm going with. And I left out Virginia. And I left Virginia out of the top five. Probably put Virginia number six. I'll put Carolina number seven. Um, I mean, heck, and then, you know, I – I, I still like Virginia Tech a lot, even though they got crushed at Carolina. But Carolina's tough to beat at the end of the building, which is uh, that Louisville game is more and more, more impressive. I think Purdue is close to the top ten. Iowa State, I think, is also close to the top ten, um, the way they're playing right now. But for the top five, that's who I go with, with Carolina and Virginia just outside. If I had to pick seven teams, that's my seven. I had to narrow it down to five, that's that'd be my five. Because uh, Virginia, again... Let's see how they play Duke. If they beat Duke, they're top five. They get in the top five. But if they lose to Duke again at home, I don't know if I can get behind them as much. And, uh, you know, NC State about knocked them off. NC State's good, but as good as Virginia is offensively and defensively, they shouldn't need to go to overtime against North Carolina, who's kind of been – hadn't been very good recently, right? Lost to Louisville. They need a buzzer beater to beat a bad Clemson team at home so anyway all right thank you all for listening to this episode this edition of the posting up podcast again let me know uh if you need or if you want any changes any feedback in general uh let me know what you want to hear about uh, in the college basketball world and i will do my best uh to cover it but thank you all for listening again stay warm stay wrapped up and um Hopefully class is canceled again. Probably won't be, but hey, I mean, what's uh, 
what's the problem with Germany? Thank you all for listening. Uh, this is your host, Alec Jesse, signing off. Have a, have a good rest of your week.